Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. After a brutal international break, our Yanks abroad returned to their clubs, hopefully revitalized. Hopefully that break gave them some perspective, an opportunity to maybe reflect on things and return to their clubs, reinvigorated and ready to reincorporate, get back into form and get ready to go. It's an interesting situation because of the club situations that a lot of these players are in. For Christian Pulisic, it was two-week break because of the death of the Queen and sort of the postponement of all those games, uh, but it was was the first EPL game under new head coach Graham Potter. It was his first opportunity to roll out his new system and we got to see what that looked like and we got to see what that could potentially mean for Christian Pulisic. Over at Leeds they also had a two week break due to the death of the Queen. After a hot start they've kind of cooled down so what would that mean for Leeds, uh, for Jesse Marsh, Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson. Over in Milan, Serginho Dest returned to his club, his brand new club. Weston McKinney, a, a player who, a Juventus side that's been on a skid a Juventus side where um, everybody's after the coach the Allegri out chants have uh, grown louder and louder uh, and he hasn't been in the greatest form himself so an opportunity for him to bounce back against one of the weaker clubs in Syria elsewhere there were some players returning to action we'll get into all that and more in this road to Qatar episode of the Yank Report what's up my name is Sam this is the Yank Report a show about all things American soccer. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. You can support the channel be- by becoming a member. Shout out to my tier two members who really help uh, support the channel and keep things going. First, we're going to start out with the star boy, Christian Pulisic, the man who, is he returning to form? Is it coming back? Is this is this the moment that we have been waiting for this season for Christian Pulisic and Chelsea? But first, a word from this week's sponsor. And now a word from today's sponsor. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all betting action in 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, and of course soccer, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Chelsea returned to action this week with their first EPL match under new head coach Graham Potter. And the first opportunity we get to see for uh, what may be the future of Chelsea under Graham Potter. Potter rolls out a, a different formation than we were used to under Tuchel. Under Tuchel, it was the three-man back line and that three-man front line. Uh, this time, it was a little bit different. And there's been a lot of um, discussion over what this formation actually was. Uh, for some, it was a uh, 4-2-2-2. Uh, I-, I felt at times that it played more like a 4 2 3 one but either way you slice it, it was four defenders. It was two real holding midfielders, uh, maybe a double pivot. Uh, and then in front of them, four attackers. And I, I felt like this was really exciting, first of all, because Chelsea has been so damn boring to watch over the past few months now under Tuchel. Um, and also, I mean, simple math, man. You get four attackers versus three attackers. That's one more position that Christian Pulisic has open to him. And we saw that play out, I think, on the field where in the, let's see what it was, in the 84th minute, Christian Pulisic gets his opportunity. Uh, He subs in late in the game. He finds the ball in a spot where I think it's his favorite spot to find the ball, right outside the box on the left side. 
He makes a, a short little penetrating run, sort of the quintessential Christian Pulisic run. He dishes it to Gallagher, who to Gallagher's credit had to uh, make a nice move on a defender, open up space for himself. And Gallagher unleashed a, a really nice shot, a, a, a top class shot. And, and with that, um, I, I think Pulisic, I think Chelsea, I think U.S. men's national team fans, I think Chelsea fans all get this sigh of relief that maybe the future is going to be brighter than the past few months were um, for Chelsea. Uh, for U.S. men's national team fans specifically, we get to say Christian had an assist. Christian took players on. Christian looked brave in the box. We might have run with that a little bit more than it actually was. I mean, it was a pretty simple run, penetrating run into the box in a dish. However, I think this is the type of positive thing that Christian can take and he can build on and he'll have something that he can have in his back pocket that's going to motivate him and give him a, a, an, an opportunity to say, you know, maybe things are going to be different under this new manager and I can find my way back into the squad. And, and honestly, I think for the first time in a long time, for me personally, I, I think Christian can find his way back into this Chelsea squad because I, I don't think Mason Mount has been particularly effective uh, for the start of the season for Chelsea um, in this left wing position or, or whatever you want to call it, left inside forward, left attacker, however you want to describe it in this formation is not one that really plays to Mason Mount's strengths, whereas this left inside attacker is just perfect for Christian Pulisic, and I think we saw that play out in this game with, with this penetrating run that created that space for Gallagher to get off his shot. Now, I realize that saying that Christian Pulisic could overtake Mason Mount and put Mount on the bench is, is a tall order. I mean, Mason Mount is an England international, and he is uh, one of the players that's like the heart and soul of this Chelsea squad at the moment. However, there's a lot of fixtures coming up. There's a lot of fixture congestion. And I do think that Christian can claw his way back into being a regular part of the squad, um, a, a player that's getting starts uh, periodically during the midweek and just getting a lot more minutes and being used a lot more than he is right now. Uh, because coming into this game, I mean, even during this game, he gets, he gets what, six minutes in this game? Uh, just, just not a lot of opportunity for him to really make an impact. We move to Syria in Italy, where Weston McKinney lines up as is like a four-four-two is what they say on Google. Um, it, it played out kind of, I don't know exactly. I mean, he he dropped back into the midfield and defense, and, and was clearly a midfielder in defense. But in the attack, he would often uh, get into that right channel. He wasn't really providing width in the attack and wasn't really on the front line of the attack with the right back providing the width and becoming more of the winger in the attack. But it, 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 I mean, trying to figure out which position Weston McKinney's playing is one of the great discussions ever since he was a, a Schalke midfielder slash defender slash forward slash right back slash whatever else. Now coming into this match, uh, Weston has been heavily criticized for his form, uh, for his sloppiness and for his giveaways. And I think for good reason. I think before Weston McKinney got injured last season, he was in a run of form that was absolutely remarkable. I mean, he was dominating games physically. He was absolutely everywhere. But I think whenever he was on the ball, his touch was clean. He was combining really well. He was looking for balls in behind. He was looking for big switches. He was really a danger man for Juventus. And one of the straws that stirred the drink uh, for the Juventus side that, um, to be quite honest, was a little down in talent at the time. I think since returning to his injury, I think he's tried to re try to step back into that role, but he hasn't quite had the sharpness to pull off those things that he was doing before. So it was leading to a lot of giveaways, a lot of really poor passes, um, a lot of just trying to do too much, 
uh, before he really returned to uh, his 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 top form. In this game, however, I think we saw a fresh Weston McKinney. I think that the international window did him some good because I think he really played within himself. Um, you didn't see him trying to do too much on the field. You didn't see him really looking for balls in behind or or trying to make big plays or anything like that. He kind of stayed in his role. He combined well. He defended hard. You saw some of those uh, quintessential Weston McKinney gut-busting runs. And then in the 60th minute, uh, whenever time called, uh, Weston made a gut-busting run to join the attack. He ends up on the right flank and plays a really nice ball over to uh, Vlahovic uh, on the back post. And Vlahovic, the big Serbian, heads it away. Uh, to make it 2-0 for Juventus. Immediately after the goal, Weston subs out of the game in the 60th minute, and I think that's a performance that Weston can really build upon. I think people are going to circle that uh, assist, and, and, and to be fair, it was a really nice assist. I, I think people are going to circle that and say, you know, Weston had a great game, Weston's back. I don't think he's quite back yet. I don't think that we saw that dominant Weston McKinney that just takes over games and it's just uh, a force to be reckoned with out there. I don't think he's quite there yet, but but sort of like Christian Pulisic and his assist uh, for Chelsea, I think this is something that he can build upon. I, I think we, we saw a Weston McKinney that can be really effective and, and hopefully for, for Juventus themselves. I mean, Juventus find themselves in seventh place right now in Serie A. They're not so far away that they can't come back if they can string together a few wins. Uh, they can be right back in the mix. For Juventus right now, they're not losing games. It's just they're drawing far too many games. So they got to find some ways to put the ball in the back of the net. They're missing some of their top players. I mean, Di Maria would be massive for this club right now, but he's out. Uh, so they're they're kind of in a tight spot. Hopefully this is a sign of things to come for Juventus and for Syria and for Weston McKinney. We make our way back to England and the EPL where Leeds United, United States of Leeds, take on Aston Villa, a game where I think Leeds really want to win this game. I mean, Aston Villa is a team that's a little bit lower than them in the table. Um, I, I think it was there to be won. However, right after halftime, Sinistera, the Colombian, picks up a silly second yellow um, and ends up being uh, removed from the game. Leeds have to play from with 10 men since from there and just never really create the opportunities needed to win that game uh, and are pretty much playing chase for the rest of the way. As far as the American performances, I think Tyler Adams had another kind of quintessential Tyler Adams game, um, really tidy in possession, getting the ball off of his feet very quickly, not really making those line-breaking passes and those passes that spring things, but there were a few moments in the game where um, I think Austin Villa was playing off of Tyler Adams a little bit and giving him space, and whatever they did, he actually did pick his head up and find some of those line-breaking passes and did take space whenever he needed to, kind of dribbled forward, penetrated. However, on the defensive side, it was that classic Tyler Adams, that relentless effort, that closing down uh, counterattacks, uh, that that intercepting balls, uh, tackling, just um, that all-action midfielder uh, that we knew he would be in this lead system. For Brennan Aronson, it was a lot of running, especially after halftime, whenever Leeds goes a man down. Uh, from that point on, uh, Leeds just was not able to generate a lot of scoring opportunities or just hold on to the ball in the uh, opposition half at, in general. Uh, so it meant that Brendan Aronson spent most of the game chasing players down. He did have a bright moment right at the death of the game, right before he came out, uh, where there was a loose ball in the opposition box and Brendan Aronson chased it down. And for a moment, you felt like Brendan Aronson was going to burst into that space and score the go-ahead goal for Leeds. 
unfortunately, at Austin Villa, defender was able to put him off just enough to where um, it, it really changed the trajectory of the ball, and, and the Austin Villa keeper was able to save it. I don't think I think it was going off frame anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered if the keeper was in the way or not. After the game, Jesse Marsh made headlines for uh, bitching about Austin Villa, complaining that they were wasting a lot of time, which they were. Um, I, I think a lot of teams are, are going to be looking for ways to put leads off their rhythm because. Um, and to give their team an opportunity to slow down and catch their breath, Leeds wants to play that high tempo game, um, and the opposition does not want Leeds to uh, just run them into the ground. They're going to be slowing down the game. So I think Marsh is going to be uh, constantly bitching about uh, pace of play and the opposition slowing things down. Uh, he's gotten criticized a little bit for this. The English are always going to be looking for reasons to, to criticize Marsh, criticize the American, criticize the outsider. And, and I think it's one of those things where if Leeds is winning and, and things are going well, this type of complaining to the press from Jesse Marsh is going to be seen as a good thing. But if Leeds is not doing well, if Leeds is losing or, or drawing games, it's going to be a bad thing. It's not been great for Leeds recently. I mean, in their last five matches, I think they won one but then they draw two and lost two. They came out the gate really hot. They got the big result against Chelsea, and I think that made a lot of, especially American fans, excited about the potential of the squad. But if you look at them, they're, they're a squad that really doesn't have the attacking threat. They really don't generate a lot of chances, and I think we're seeing that play out for them right now where they're just struggling to score goals, uh, which if you're struggling to score goals, you're going to be struggling to win matches. And I think that's sort of been the story of Leeds thus far this season. We return to Italy where Serginho Dest and AC Milan are taking on Empoli. And, and Serginho Dest just doesn't have a lot of impact in that second half. Uh, he made some big runs on the outside, but he wasn't played in for those runs. So it ends up just uh, Serginho Dest combining a lot, defending a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say any of the goals were his fault, but he I, there wasn't a lot of impact on that game. I, I think the big thing for Serginho Dest at this point is to regain some confidence, feel like he's wanted, and feel like he's at home at AC Milan, and really get some minutes. I think I think AC Milan is invested in playing him, invested in getting him those minutes. Uh, so I think it could be a good thing. I think uh, in two months from now, whenever we get to the World Cup, we'll, we'll have an informed and happy Serginho Dest. Let's make our way to the Netherlands, where Ricardo Pepe comes back from a rough national team performance I guess we'd say a rough national team window uh heads back to Groningen Groningen takes on Azed Alkmaar and gets absolutely thrashed four to one however uh for U.S. national team purposes Pepe does end up scoring Groningen's lone goal um it was kind of a, a nasty sloppy I don't know championship style goal uh where Pepe has the ball up top and he kind of out muscles a defender and ends up putting the ball on frame as he's falling to the ground and it hits the back of the net, so a goal for Pepe. Uh, good to see Pepe back scoring. However, boy, I, I don't know how he makes the uh, World Cup team at this point after what we saw in September. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then, uh, but it's not something I'm anticipating. I, I, I'm hoping that PFOC makes it over Pepe at this point. Uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. In the good news category, Tim Weah returned to the bench for Lil. Uh, it was his first time making the bench this season after picking up an injury right before the start of the season. We saw in September that Tim Weah is a pretty important part of the U.S. men's national team style of play, and without him, uh, the, the team look, looked a little listless in attack. So seeing Tim Weah return to the bench for Lil, even though he didn't participate in the game, 
is a very, very good thing. Sort of a similar story for Luca De La Torre. De La Torre hasn't been injured, but he hasn't been getting many minutes at all over for Celta Vigo. In, in the last game, he actually came off the bench and got 26 minutes. It was the most minutes that he's gotten so far with the club. Um, had some bright moments moving the ball forward. Um, Luca De La Torre did not have a very good game against Japan. I think that that's putting it fairly lightly. Um, and, and we know, we, we've seen what Luca De La Torre can do with the national team. We know the kind of player he is. I don't think that that game is indicative of him as a player. I think he's just a player that hasn't gotten a lot of minutes lately, uh, isn't in great form. And I'm hoping that maybe this 26 minutes will be the springboard for Luca De La Torre to get him back in the groove of things, um, be, have him become a regular for Celta Vigo, and, and have him become a real option for the national team whenever we head to Qatar. Now, here comes the not-so-good news. Uh, Anthony Robinson did not dress for Fulham. Yunus Musa did not dress for Valencia. Gio Reyna did not dress uh, for Borussia Dortmund. And Chris Richards did not dress for Crystal Palace. Um, Robinson, Musa, and Richards all missed the September win uh, window with injuries. Um, they are said to be not significant injuries and that those players would return to the field soon. Uh, in this first game back from the international window, none of those players did return. So hopefully we'll see them back in action soon enough. For Gio Reyna, he picks up the muscular, whatever that injury was. I don't even want to call it an injury. I don't like thinking about that. Um, but we know that Borussia Dortmund has been um, bringing Gio back very slowly and are very worried about his long-term health. He's expected to return to Borussia Dortmund relatively soon. I think he's going to miss... He missed this weekend's game, and I think he's going to miss the midweek game. But after that, he's supposed to be back. Gosh, we really need that guy to come back, man. We need that guy in form. We need that guy playing 90 minutes and ready to go. Um, worrying times for U.S. men's national team fans whenever it comes to Gio Reyna. And whenever it comes to all these guys, man, Chris Richards, Eunice Musa, Anthony Robinson. Uh, we'll put Luca De La Torre and Tim Weah in that group. We just we need to get these guys playing regularly and playing on the field. Heck, let's put Christian Pulisic in that bucket. Uh, let's get... Let's get Serginho Des back to playing regularly. Let's get uh, Weston McKinney back to the form he was in before the injury. Um, a lot needs to happen in these two months for, for the U.S. to really improve their chances in Qatar. I think it was an optimistic weekend for our Yanks abroad, but not necessarily a perfect weekend. But if you do need some hope to cling to uh, following what was a pretty dismal international window for the boys, I, I think this weekend may have served to, to give us a little bit of that hope, just a little bit of that hope. Uh, something to build on for sure. So what were your thoughts on the weekend? What were the biggest moments for you? What did you think about Christian Pulisic's assist? Am I downplaying it too much? Was it was it the assist of our generation, the the immaculate assist that's going to launch Christian Pulisic back into his uh, post-COVID form? I hope so. What about Weston McKinney? What did you think about his game? What do you, what do you think is the most important thing to happen in the next two months for the U.S.? Let me know in the comments section if you want the Yank Important Podcast form. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. As always, si puede hablar espanol. Dígame un comentario en espanol. If you want to support the channel, the best way to do so is to become a subscriber. You can also like the video. You can comment on the video. You can share the video with, with friends and family and enemies and whoever you want. Uh, if you really want to support the channel, you can do so by becoming a member. Being a member like directly supports me and directly supports the channel and allows us to, to pump out these videos on a regular basis. So shout out to all my tier two members, Manuel Aliberes, Mike Irish, Chris Matassa, Matthew Doyle, Michael Baker, Matthew Hanna, and Dan McVee. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.